The Secret Service has concluded its investigation into a bag of booger sugar found in the Biden White House and concluded that they cannot identify any suspect. According to the Secret Service, despite combing through security systems and indexing several hundred individuals who entered the West Wing, the West Wing, which is perhaps the single most surveilled and secure place on planet Earth, the investigators were unable to find any fingerprints. That, of course, was the investigator's first mistake. If you want to identify the owner of some Cartagena nose candy, you don't check for fingerprints, you check for nostril prints. But regardless, Hunter's nose is currently scrounging like a pig for truffles to find the next foreign shakedown to score another 10% for the big guy. So he, just like his entire family and his family's staff, They're all unavailable to face any consequences. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Good Ranchers. Delicious Good Ranchers. Great meat at a secure price. 30 bucks off your order with code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, today. The Biden campaign and Biden White House have a big political liability right now. That political liability is Biden's refusal to acknowledge one of his grandchildren. That's finally bubbling over. We'll get to that in a second. First, though, the Bidens are just totally protected. They're totally protected. I've been to the West Wing on just one occasion, but went into the West Wing. I can tell you firsthand People know where you are at all times. There are cameras everywhere. There are people watching everywhere. You are searched like crazy. It's smaller than a lot of people think it is. It's not some big wide open space. It was built for smaller people in a smaller time. If they wanted to figure out whose coke this was, they would have done so. But the Secret Service is going to look the other way because the big guy doesn't want Let's say it's not a member of his family, even though very likely it is. Doesn't want people within his inner circle prosecuted for bringing Coke into the White House. So they're just going to move along, move along, nothing to see here. There was a little glimmer of hope over the past couple days. Republicans grilling Christopher Wray, director of the FBI on Capitol Hill, trying to see if amid all of these Biden scandals, the document scandal, the the bribery scandal, the potential payoffs 10% for the big guy, Is Biden getting investigated at all? And the FBI starts to maybe give us a little hope and then pulls it right back. Did Joe Biden take uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president, or private citizen Biden? Uh, As you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration, that our Baltimore field office is working with, and I would refer you to to him as to what, if anything, can be shared. So the president is under um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm simply going so to. So he's tell not you, under investigation. I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm okay. not going to be confirming or denying I'll who is it. or isn't under investigation. So. He hangs out a little bit more at the top than one might expect. He's saying there is an investigation in Delaware going on. He's saying this in response to a question about an investigation for Joe Biden. 
and then he immediately walks it back. But let's say that there is. Let's say the U.S. attorney in Delaware is investigating Joe Biden for taking bribes from Burisma, from China, from wherever. Does anybody seriously think they're going to hit him with this? Does anybody seriously think that? There was an investigation into the coke in the White House, which would be extraordinarily easy to identify. And frankly, all of us have a good gut instinct of whose it was to begin with. They couldn't do that. They say, oh no, yeah, the investigation was inconclusive. Does anybody seriously believe that the investigation is going to be anything but inconclusive in the case of Joe Biden's bribery? No, of course not. They're going to drag this thing out. They're going to slow walk it, and then nothing's going to happen as a result. Now, speaking of slow walking investigations, there was a bit of strange news coming out of the DOJ in the last two days, which is that Ray Epps is going to be charged. Ray Epps is this strange figure from January 6th. Ray Epps, sorry. January 6th, the worst day in the history of America, the worst coup d'etat ever. So Ray Epps is this odd figure from January 6th because he is the most prominent guy that we have on camera, we have on audio multiple times, urging people to break into the Capitol on January 6th. He was so officious in his calls for the mob to get unruly and to aggress on Capitol Hill, that a group of people around him when he was calling for this said he was a fed. Said, wait a second, you're just trying to egg us on. You're a fed, fed, fed. And they were chanting it all around him, but he kept it up and he kept chanting for people to go into the, into the Capitol. He was on the FBI's website. He still, he still appears in an FBI tweet. Most wanted people from January 6th, but he wasn't charged with a crime. He wasn't arrested. He's like the only guy from January 6th that, that was not arrested or charged with a crime. So a lot of people have suggested that he's a fed. The, the suggestion that he was a fed was then bolstered by the liberal media defending this guy. Don't forget the liberal media had called January 6th the worst day ever. And it was the, almost the end of the Republic and it was a coup d'etat. And yet they're defending the most prominent instigator of January 6th. That didn't make a lot of sense. Glowing profiles in the New York Times, a constant defense of him. Now Ray Epps saying he's going to sue Fox News for defamation, probably in the hopes that Fox will just settle out of court. And now the DOJ comes out and says, Ray Epps is going to be charged. So the timing of this is convenient at the same time that that Ray Epps is bringing a lawsuit against Fox News to try to have a shakedown and get some money and maybe further tarnish Tucker Carlson's reputation in the liberal media, the DOJ is saying, okay, well, we're, we are finally going to arrest him. But that doesn't answer anything. Why did it take two and a half years? Why did the DOJ round up every Midwestern granny who had the audacity to take a photograph in the Capitol Rotunda on January 6th? They rounded them all up within about a week. They threw a lot of them into prison. They threw a lot of them into solitary confinement. Yet this guy, the most prominent instigator of the whole thing, whose location we've all known because he's had these glowing magazine and newspaper profiles, the DOJ waits two and a half years. What is this about? I think they're hoping that this puts to rest the conspiracy theory that Ray Epps has some relationship with the federal government. To me, this just adds fuel to the fire. This seems even more bizarre than had they not charged him in the first place. Doesn't explain a damn thing. Seems a little bit like smoke in mirrors. Now, there is some good news coming out of the DOJ, and it actually relates directly to me. We'll get to that in just one second. First, though, when you want to 
talk to all of your friends about the threats and the joys and the, the news that's going on in this country, you got to check out Pure Talk. Right now, go to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't even charge you for it. Great news for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot, which is absolutely magnificent for no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered Pure Talk before but haven't made the switch, take a look again. For just 20 bucks a month, you will get unlimited talk, text, and now 50% more 5G data plus their new mobile hotspot. This is one of the many reasons that I love Pure Talk. It's veteran-owned. They only hire the best customer service team located right here in the great U.S. of A. That alone makes it worth the switch. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Not a similar network, the most dependable one. Remember, you vote with how you spend your money, so stop supporting woke companies that don't support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, you will save an additional 50-50% off your first month because they actually value you. PureTalk.com slash Knowles. PureTalk, wireless for Americans by Americans. So you remember when the libs tried to blow me up in Pittsburgh? <laughs> this is a story happened a couple of months ago. I had a campus speaking event. A lot of radical students tried to shut it down. The administration at Pittsburgh tried to shut it down. Legislators tried to shut it down. They couldn't do that because it's a public school. So there's something called the First Amendment. The event went off, but then the anarchists showed up and they set the street on fire and they burned me in effigy. And as I was walking onto the stage, they threw an explosive at the building. Cops made us walk back in, but we did the event anyway and we wouldn't let them intimidate us. Okay. Well, the great update here was that the FBI arrested the the two anarchists who got this explosive and threw it at the building and they indicted them as well. There's a further update, which is that the Torch Antifa network has taken responsibility for this attack that that missed. I'm still here. Ha ha ha. <laughs> so uh, Antifa, which the libs tell us does not exist, has issued this statement. This is specifically the Torch Antifa Network, thanks to Andy No, who has just done the best reporting on Antifa out there. They've said, breaking update, the Torch Antifa Network a collective of violent cells that include Rose City Antifa has claimed bombing suspects Brian Pepe de Pippa and Crystal de Pippa as their members. These aren't spring chickens, by the way. This is a 36-year-old man and a 40-year-old woman, a married couple that decided that what they were going to do on a Tuesday night or whenever the event was, was to, sh- to show up in Pittsburgh and try to blow up a, a speaking event where two people were debating a matter of public policy and, and anthropology for that matter. Uh, Antifa goes on, they're soliciting donations, or I'm sorry, this is from Andy No. They're soliciting donations for the extremists using PayPal, though it appears PayPal has paused the campaign, which is good. Uh, they're now soliciting tax-deductible donations using a far-left nonprofit. Daryl Lamont Jenkins was revealed through court documents to be one of the leaders of Torch Antifa. And according to federal investigators, DePippa traveled across the country in recent months, repeatedly set off explosive sensors at airports for RDX. But of course, the TSA let him get on the airplanes anyway. So the libs are going to tell you Antifa is not real. Well, if Antifa is not real, that would be news to Torch Antifa, which like ISIS is claiming responsibility for this terror attack. If Antifa is not real, then who are the two people who just got arrested wonderfully by the FBI and charged by the DOJ. There are many other anarchists and Antifa members who identify themselves as Antifa members who have been totally let off the hook for violence in recent years, but at least these two 
have been prosecuted. And presumably one of the main reasons they were prosecuted is their explosive that they threw at the building went into a crowd of about a dozen cops and injured cops on the scene, uh, which, which escalates the issue even more. All of which is to say Antifa is a real thing. It's a real organization. They should be rounded up and thrown in prison. They, they should be investigated like the mafia is investigated, like the Ku Klux Klan is investigated. I'm sick of hearing about the Ku Klux Klan from the libs. The, the, the libs pretend that the Ku Klux Klan exists. I don't, I don't think there are five members of the Ku Klux Klan in America. If there are, I think every single one of them is an undercover agent spying on the other ones. They don't, they don't even know that the other ones are feds. There are very, very few of these people. And yet the way the media treats them they're the, the greatest terror threat. I mean, this is the way the DOJ even talks about the great terror threat in America's white supremacy. Show me the Klan hood. I don't see it anywhere. Then they point to these other groups. They'll say, look at the Patriot Front. I love it. They call it a front. It's a little on the nose for the Hollywood script writers. The Patriot Front is a far right white supremacist organization marching and having all sorts of displays covering up their faces. What are these guys actually doing? The, the so-called Patriot Front front is going up and has really flamboyant displays at the Lincoln Memorial or something, and then they go home. They go back to their homes in Langley or <laughs> wherever they live. They, when, when they do show up with actual right-wingers, the right-wingers usually push them away, like the Proud Boys or any of, the, of these other right-wing groups. Where's the threat? Meanwhile, Antifa, for years now, has been attacking, maiming, killing people across the country, showing up to every prominent right-wing event, and then during the BLM riots of, of 2020, decides to torch the country for eight months, see to shining sea. And the feds don't do anything about it. Until now. Until now. This is really good stuff. I don't want to be too harsh on the FBI, especially the FBI for arresting them and the DOJ for charging. But we've got to go further, folks. This is an organization. We have history in this country of going after not just individuals, but organizations. If you can do it for the mob, if you can do it for the Klan, you certainly can and should do it for Antifa. Now, speaking of political violence, uh, Emmanuel Macron, the leader of France, has just received an unpleasant package in the mail. Uh, he received a severed finger from a living human being. And this was sent to the official residence of uh, President Emmanuel Macron, according to a report from the London Evening Standard, showed up at the Elysee Paris in, uh, Palace in Paris. No note was included in the package. Uh, the investigators then took the finger and put it in the fridge, like the regular fridge where they keep their coffee and sandwiches and things, because they, they wanted to preserve it so that they could uh, investigate it further. Uh, so far, no analysis has come out. It would seem a little bit threatening. Or if it's not threatening, at least a lot of people are concluding this is the evidence that uh, whichever person mailed this to Macron is just totally crazy. To which I say, how dare you? How closed-minded and bigoted of you to suggest that this is evidence of someone who's gone a little bit crazy who needs psychiatric help? You know what I call this? I call this fist-affirming care. That's what happened here. And it's so wonderful that this fist-affirming care is being put on display at the highest levels of national politics in France. Frankly, in the name of progress, in the name of liberalism, I think we need to exalt that, that sort of thing here. That, man, that was a man who identified as fingerless. He, yes, he had a finger assigned at birth, but he identified as fingerless. And I'm just so, so happy that he could get the care that he needs. I'm sure he's, he's doing wonderfully now. 
Thank goodness that when we're talking about other anatomical parts, America is much more progressive than these regressives who would suggest there's something disordered about that. Can you imagine? Am I allowed to say, I think I'm, I don't think I violated any rules from big tech in my commentary on the finger. Speaking of dubious medical treatments, this is a bad one. This is a bad one. The FDA has approved the first ever over-the-counter birth control pill. The pill is called Opil. It will be available without a prescription. It's a daily oral contraceptive sold over-the-counter. This is bad. This should not be permitted. I won't even say we should ban it. We should just keep the current system in place, which is that you can't get birth control over-the-counter. And there are a lot of reasons as to why. The liberals are thrilled about this. They want sterility. (laughs) They want sterility and promiscuous sex and everyone to be miserable. And as we followed the liberals' sexual ethic, everyone has become more and more miserable over the last 60 years. Okay, obviously that's what they want. The libertarians are probably fine with the -the over-the-counter birth control thing. There were many conservatives 10 years ago who would have said, oh, I'm all for that. Let's reduce regulations. Let's let people choose to do whatever they want. The conservatives, of course, are going to say, no, this is a bad idea. And there are a number of reasons. The really hardcore, philosophically consistent conservatives will, will name the really deep reasons as to why this should not be permitted. First question would be, what good does it do? What good can possibly come out of over-the-counter birth control pills? Well, then people don't need to go get a prescription in order to have mostly demeaning promiscuous sex. Well, then people can have fewer children. We have a dying population. The, the birth rate in America is below replacement and has been for a very long time. Is that a good thing to have fewer children? I don't think so. Is it good for individuals to have fewer children? I don't think so. Is it good for society? No, it's not. What, what other good comes from it? Well, uh, people will have more bodily autonomy. Yeah, it's true. I guess you have the bodily autonomy to hack your arm off too. Is that good though? Is that, does that lead to human flourishing? No, I don't think so. Okay. But then even if you're not a really hardcore conservative, even if you're a little bit moderate and you're in the middle, what else is going to come from this? Well, minors are going to access this stuff. Your kids, your daughter is going to access this stuff or she will have the ability to. If you say, listen, honey, listen, 13-year-old daughter, I don't think it would be good for you to have promiscuous sex. I think that would be bad physically for you. You might contract some sexual, sexually transmitted disease. You might become pregnant, not know what to do about that. Uh, you, you might be used and abused, but it could also cause a lot of psychological problems if starting at the age of 12 or 13, you're just uh, used for the sexual gratification of men without any consequence whatsoever because they'll have you take these pills. Furthermore, maybe there are some questions. I I know you're not allowed to raise this possibility, but, but a lot of women have, especially in recent weeks and months. Maybe it's not good to pump yourself full of a bunch of chemicals starting at a very young age without talking to a doctor, without talking to your family, without, without really paying a lot of consideration to this. Maybe that's not a good idea to do that sort of thing. That would be the more centrist kind of view of it. What good comes from this? Do we, do we have a, a surplus of babies in this country? Do we, have, do we have too much sexual restraint in this country? No, I don't think so. And so the the only way to oppose this is for the conservatives to stand up. And the only way for the conservatives to stand up is to get rid of all this stupid nonsense about maximizing individual autonomy. That is not freedom. Freedom is not just doing whatever you want whenever you want to do it. 
legalizing all the drugs, legalizing all the weird sex stuff, legalizing mutilating your body, that's not freedom. That is slavery to your basest appetites. Conservatives used to know that. We kind of went a little crazy for a few decades there. I think we're coming back out of it now, though. We need less weird sex stuff, and we need more babies and restraint. That would be very good. You know what else we need more of? Good meat. Where are you going to get it? Good ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com. Use promo code Knowles. If you have not heard yet, the FDA approved lab-grown chicken for sale. Bleh. Meat formed in a lab will soon be coming to a store near you. If you prefer meat grown in a pasture instead of a petri dish, then you need good ranchers. Not only do they sell real meat from real animals, but they sell the best meat this country has to offer. From steakhouse quality cuts of beef to better than organic chicken, everything good ranchers sources is from local farms in America. Right now you get 30 bucks off with my code Knowles at goodranchers.com. These guys have the best meat in the business. The burgers are the best burgers I have ever had at home in my entire life. We had them just the other night. And then last night, I went to a steakhouse. I was at a dinner, a formal dinner at a steakhouse. Sweet little Elisa cooked Good Rancher's steak at home. I was envious of her because I was at the steakhouse eating the steakhouse meat. I know her steak was better. Go, it is just the greatest. Go to Good Ranchers right now. It is goodranchers.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You will use my code Knowles. Get 30 bucks off any box. Goodranchers.com, goodranchers.com. American meat delivered. Despite the lackluster economy, the Daily Wire is thriving. And not only that, we are hiring. We are currently looking for a senior copywriter to join our fast-growing marketing department. As a senior copywriter, you will collaborate with copywriters, creative directors, and designers under the guidance of the executive creative director, to craft compelling and conversion-focused marketing copy for a variety of media. In fact, you'll even have the opportunity to write the ad copy that I am reading to you right now, so it better be good and you better know your punctuation and your grammar. This position will primarily focus on D2C copywriting. What is that? I have no idea. It's working across the entire Daily Wire brand umbrella. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. If you are interested in joining our team, go to dailywire.com careers right now. Speaking of cultural developments, the Screen Actors Guild, please prepare yourself, sit down, pull over if you're driving. This is going to, this is going to be tough. The Screen Actors Guild is going on strike. Okay, moving on. (laughs) The SAG, when SAG is the Screen Actors Guild, it merged about 10 years ago with AFTRA, the American Federation of Television Radio Artists, uh, voted unanimously to go on strike. And they will be joining another strike in Hollywood, which is the Writers Guild of America strike. And that means effectively that unionized Hollywood is shut down. And SAG is kind of a crappy union. Back in my wayward youth, I would occasionally uh, work with the Screen Actors Guild as a professional actor. And it, it's not a great union because there are at any given time, like 99% of its membership is unemployed because actors have a hard time just getting jobs generally. And so all of these radical leftists who are largely unemployed just voted to go on strike. But the, the SAG union doesn't do a lot for actors generally. The Writers Guild actually is a pretty good union for its members. SAG doesn't do all that much. And so in recent years, a lot of professional actors, a lot of huge name actors have, have gone FICOR which a financial core, which is to say they don't, they don't really go along with the union. They'll pay their dues because they have to uh, as a result of a court case, but they don't really care. The, the influence of the Screen Actors Guild has waned dramatically, just as the influence of unions, especially in Hollywood, has waned dramatically, just as the influence of Hollywood 
has waned dramatically. And that's really the point here. The writers are going on strike. The actors are going on strike. Does anybody care? When was the last time you went out to see a movie? I bet, just judging by box office numbers, the last time you went out to see a movie was to go see The Sound of Freedom starring Jim Caviezel, which is a movie that was made largely outside of Hollywood. Jim Caviezel's a terrific actor. He's a big Hollywood star. The movie was funded basically by just a bunch of kooky conservatives, and then it was made by a bunch of highly skilled professionals who were disenchanted with the way that the Hollywood studio system works. Other than that, what shows are you watching? I'm not watching any shows right now. You know what show I'm watching right now? Occasionally, I'll put on an episode of Father Brown from the BBC. I don't, I don't even know what's coming out of Hollywood. The only movies that I would be even tempted to see in Hollywood, it's Mission Impossible. I guess just Mission Impossible. I don't even know. I'd, I'd like to go see the last movie star on earth, Tom Cruise. Maybe I would go see him in a movie. Other than that, I don't even know what they're producing. I'm a culture vulture. I worked in Hollywood for a considerable amount of time. I've worked in New York. I like the arts. I read poetry. I read plays. I should be the number one audience, the number one fan for these things. And yet I'm tuning out and you're tuning out. And this is reflected in the the completely collapsing viewership of the Academy Awards, the collapsing viewership, not just of movies and theaters, but even of the big Hollywood films on streaming. It's over guys. So, okay, you're going to you're going to protest. Uh, okay, you don't have any leverage anymore. F- fine, the writers and the actors are going on strike. Fine by me, man. That's fine. We're going to go watch Sound of, F- Sound of Freedom. Speaking of power brokers, turning to the 2024 race, there's a report out with bad news for the DeSantis campaign, which has struggled since its launch, suggesting that top donors are considering a flip to Tim Scott. Uh, Tim Scott, you know, nice, fairly moderate centrist Republican senator from South Carolina. I don't know that I'd buy this report. If the report is real, come on, man, that's not going to work. It means that the donors who don't want Trump are souring on DeSantis's chances, so they're looking for an alternative. I I really like Tim Scott personally. It's not going to happen. Just looking at the numbers, looking at the political realities, it's not going to happen. Could Tim Scott in some world become the number two guy to Donald Trump if DeSantis's campaign really totally collapses and all of the anti-Trump forces rally around Tim Scott? Maybe. I think though at this point, donors who are trying to take a candidate from 3% to the nomination they're just setting their money on fire. DeSantis himself, who's got almost 20%, the odds that he would be able to take the nomination right now are quite low. And I know that people are very upset with me for this. Guys, I'm, I'm like the last conservative pundit in America who's not actively working for a presidential campaign. And I'm just calling it like I sees it. And people are pulling their hair out. And they're saying, but no, but in 2016, but in 2012, but in 2008. I'm saying, guys, that doesn't matter. We haven't had an analog for this kind of a primary since 1892, because that was the last time that you had a one-termer running for a rematch. So yes, Donald Trump is not the incumbent, but practically speaking, in many ways, he is like the incumbent. And that's why these other, other guys are not going to catch fire. And 
The other problem here, I love Tim Scott. He's a really nice guy. But Tim Scott is very, has a very conciliatory tone. He's really nice, as I've just said. And if you think that this moment in 2024 is the moment for like a really nice conciliatory guy to meet in the middle and work across the aisle and all shucks, we're all on the same team. You don't know what time it is. You got to go get your watch fixed. That, that's not where we are right now. The two candidates who have a real shot at the nomination right now are Trump and DeSantis. And the left field candidate, who's done a lot better than a lot of people predicted, is Vivek Ramaswamy. What do all three of them have in common? They've all bucked GOP orthodoxy and the nice, nice work across the aisle, just cut taxes, ignore the culture. They are all extreme culture warriors in their own ways. And, and they're the only guys with any momentum whatsoever or any, any real shot at the moment. Donors, you got to know, you got to know what time it is. Money cannot buy you the, the nomination. Money alone cannot buy you the nomination. Just ask President Jeb Bush. Now, before we go, you know what? I'm just going to have to leave this. This is, I tease. This is what I do now. I tease in the show. Joe Biden has a big political liability that I've called out for a while because I think it's actually my least favorite thing about the guy, but he's mostly gotten away with it until now. And it's the fact that he doesn't acknowledge his seventh grandchild, the love child from Hunter Biden. And even the White House is beginning to have to acknowledge this and the campaign team is being told to try to avoid this question as best they can. But we don't have time because we got to get to the mailbag right now. So sorry, tee hee hee, that's a little bit of a tease. Uh, when you want to look good, where are you going to go? When you want to look a lot better than any of these politicians, where are you going to go? You're going to go to GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. Our friends over at GenuCell sold out of their dark spot corrector, and our listeners have been begging for a restock, begging like a dog on your hands and knees. Well, I've got great news. Just in time for the summer, it's back in stock. GenuCell's famous dark spot corrector has not one, but three cutting edge ingredients and goes to work fast to target sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, even old discoloration, both on your face and your hands. You can now enjoy your summer sun, beach, and barbecues without embarrassing spots. GenuCell's most popular package also features their summer essentials, such as the best-selling ultra-retinol moisturizer with a powerful retinol alternative for safe use in the sun. You will be amazed at how quickly you see the results or 100% of your money back guaranteed. I love the owner of this company, Coptic Christian from Egypt, who left there, came over here for the American dream. Go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles right now. Get your dark spot corrector in the GenuCell most popular package. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. 70, 70% off GenuCell's most popular package. All orders will include a mystery luxury gift while supplies last. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. My favorite comment yesterday is from Hugh Jordan who says, for future reference, Knowles has made it clear he's not endorsing any of the GOP candidates for the primary yet. Thank you very much. Thank you. The one guy who gets it. Everyone's trying to shoot the messenger over here. The people who are completely only gung-ho on Trump, they're attacking me for being too harsh on President Trump. The people who are totally bought in on DeSantis, they're attacking me for being too harsh on DeSantis. I'm being harsh because it's a primary and I'm not working for any of these candidates and I'm just calling them like I see some folks and these are tough guys and they got thick skin. And if they can't handle a little criticism from yours truly, how the hell are they going to take on Joe Biden? Huh? Now it's time for my favorite moment of the week when I get to talk to you in the mailbag. The mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles to get 55 0% off your first month. Take it away. Hey, Michael, I have a friend who recently lost his mother. 
I've been praying for my friend and his family as well as the mother's soul. I have also been praying for her body as it has been made known to me that the family will be cremating her body and having a reception. I don't believe the family will be burying the ashes afterward, but this is what the mother wanted. Um, my question is, how should I go about attending this event? Because I want to be there for my friend, but I don't know if I should be worried about any sins as cremation makes a mockery of the resurrection. Thanks. Uh, I share your view of cremation. I have had loved ones, family members who have been cremated. Not my preferred choice. I do think as as a symbol, it... it uh, does make a mockery of the resurrection of the body. And I think that's why as our culture moves away from its traditional religion of Christianity, uh, cremation is becoming more and more popular. Uh, That said, I don't think it's a sin to be cremated. Even the Catholic Church now allows for cremation, post-Vatican II, unfortunate. Uh, So I don't think it's a sin to, to be cremated. And I don't think it's sinful for you to go, you know, support your friend at his mother's funeral or whatever kind of post-funeral service they have if she were cremated. I don't, I don't see any uh, sin or some stumbling block there at all. Uh, just as I don't think it would be sinful to go attend a weaker liturgy of, of almost any sort if the point is to go pay your respects to the dead, pray for the repose of her soul, and uh, help your buddy. I, I think you're okay. I think you might be you might be missing the forest for the trees there if you're if you're a little too worried about that. I, sh- I share your reservations, but no, it's okay. Go support your buddy and pray for your, your friend's mother. Okay, next question. Hi, Michael. This is the Shuckmeister. You'll be happy to know that for the time being, I've kept Mr. McGillicuddy from forcing my future trad wife to work at the Widget Factory. Unfortunately, though, the only reason that's so is because she doesn't exist in my life right now. In all seriousness, I wanted to tie this into a topic you brought up recently about how IVF commoditizes people, specifically that a baby from IVF is a good end from a bad means. Can we not extend that rationale to dating apps? I'm a young Catholic gentleman in my mid-20s, and I have a hesitation about using them because I feel like they commoditize people. The end is good in that people are getting in relationships, but the means to get there is swiping left or right on a person who has hopes, dreams, talents, and identity all behind that screen green just loosely crammed into a few sentences and pictures. On the apps, you and everyone else are the product. Is that feeling justified or am I just a bit too old-fashioned? Love to hear your response. Thanks. The feeling is justified and you might be a bit too old-fashioned. Both of those things are true. Uh, Yes, there's something a little distasteful about putting an advertisement for yourself up where your perspective a spouse is just judging you based on not only your looks, but on pixels on a screen and a couple written words. But that said, what happens when you go to a bar? When you, when you go to a bar and you dress nicely and a woman puts on makeup and the man throws on a jacket and he's trying to look cool or whatever and he's ordering the drink, you, you are also putting yourself on display uh, to be physically attractive to the opposite sex to then perhaps go on a date and then perhaps dig a little bit deeper. So to to some degree, it's the same thing happening in the dating apps, albeit in perhaps a more concentrated and therefore distasteful form in the dating apps. Would it be better for you to meet your future spouse in a more lively and organic way? 
Uh, perhaps, you know, high school sweetheart or a friend of a friend, or you get set up on a blind date or something like that. Yeah, sure. Maybe that would be better. Uh, but the way people date now is on the apps. I think the, the issue of the dating apps is in part a trend of capitalism, not of communism, not of just far leftism, but of capitalism too, to turn people themselves into commodities to be consumed. Yeah, that's a problem. Uh, but another problem of it is the abstraction of the identity from the body, and which is a trend that you see all throughout our culture, and you see it especially in dating apps, that when you are first encountering somebody through a dating app, you're not really encountering them. You're encountering a disembodied simulacrum of that person, not the real person in flesh and blood, but just pixels on a screen. And that's a problem. As we move more and more into virtual reality, we're, we're losing real reality. As we live more and more in some metaverse constructed by Mark Zuckerberg, we're spending less and less time in the fullness of the beautiful world that God has created for us to live in. So that's something to worry about. This is why when people go on a date on dating apps and they say, wait a second, you looked skinnier on your pictures or something like that. uh, This is just a baser expression of the same problem, which is you're not really looking at the person. You're just looking at some zeros and ones on a screen that come together to form a hint or a representation of that person. So yeah, it's fair to have all these reservations, but also maybe just go out and date the girl and, and move past that uh, ugliness in our culture, whether, whether it's the, the way people dress or comport themselves or where they meet or how they meet, even sometimes through the medium of a dating app, and then get to the real stuff as quick as you can. Okay, next question. Hey, Michael Knowles. My question to you today is about Vivek Ramaswamy. So I've watched every clip, interview, speech of his that I can find, and honestly, I'm blown away. Everything that I've seen has pointed me to believe that he is the right candidate and that he deserves my vote. Now, with that being said, and running the risk of sounding closed-minded, the only drawback I see is that he is Hindu. So I believe we're one nation under God, and I believe that to be the Christian God. So how do we reconcile this? Can I vote for someone who doesn't believe in the God or in the religion that America's founding principles are based upon? If a candidate came up and said that they were atheist, I would not vote for them solely based on that. So as a conservative Christian, can I vote for someone in good conscience that is a different religion than mine and doesn't believe in Christian morals? I appreciate it. I look forward to hearing back from you. It's a real concern. You're going to hear a lot of squishes say, that's not a concern at all. Don't worry about that thing. A man's private religion doesn't matter. No, it did. of course it matters. Religion is a very powerful thing, and it forms the way we think about just about everything. So it's a real concern. I would, I would ask Vivek how he thinks about religion, because one of the curious aspects of Hinduism is you could get 10 Hindus into a room, ask them to explain religion to you. You could get 10 different answers, 10 very different answers. So I would ask Vivek to, to talk about religion to you. That's, that's a legit question. And then furthermore, let's say he says, look, I'm, uh, I am a Hindu. You know, I'm not, I'm not even a Hindu that leans toward monotheism, though many of my Hindu friends do, and maybe Vivek does too. I'm, I don't know, there's some other kind of Hindu or whatever. Uh, then, then you get to your question, which is, can I vote for someone to have public trust who doesn't share my religion. Now, I would point to someone like Benjamin Disraeli. Benjamin Disraeli, a Jew, one of the greatest prime ministers and one of the most important conservative figures in the UK in recent memory. You know, and by recent memory, I mean the last 300 years or so. 
Um, so can that happen? Yeah, I certainly think it can. Hinduism is, is a step even further than Judaism. Uh, but, you know, we live in a, in a world where things are not going to be perfect. So you say, well, I want the perfect Christian leader who's got this particular view of Christianity and who's going to do this thing in public life. And he's going to be this smart and he's going to be this talented and he's going to have this, 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 and the other thing. And you're, you're not going to get all of that. So if you put, say, Vivek up against some nominal Christian whose understanding of the faith is so warped that as a matter of public life and the discharging of his public duties, he would end up being worse than an atheist, say, uh, then I think you just have to make a prudential, practical judgment there. And I would say if you're, if you're attracted to Vivek as a candidate and you've got this one holdup where you haven't seen any practical consequence of that yet, then I would say you'd be crazy to just throw the guy out immediately. I would, I would press it a little further, you know, keep a, a proper ca- caution about those views and try to prod them a little bit. But uh, as, a, as a practical matter, you, know, you, you judge the tree by the fruit. Okay, next question. Hello there, Mr. Knowles. This is the conservative monk. I'm so happy to finally get to talk to you. I'm coming at you with not a question, but a comment. I want to implore you to please recant your dismissal of the existence of our interstellar overlords. They are among us. They have been here a very long time. I have it on good authority to tell you that if you recant your former statements and beg forgiveness at the feet of our interstellar ambassador to our intergalactic masters, Ambassador Walsh, Uh then you might forego working the salt mines of Kaglar 9 for the remainder of your life. Please do so, as many of us are very fond of you. It's also noteworthy that I do not know Ambassador Walsh, nor did he put me up to this. Uh, what? Hold on. What? <laughs> I did. I did. I said the things. What? I gotta go. Thank you for that missive. I appreciate that. With uh, my friend Mr. Walsh on vacation for the past week or two, I had not been barred by such inanity in a while. So. Uh, I'll take your suggestion under consideration. Now let's get to a, a written mailbag before we get to the member block. It is Fake Headline Friday, too, by the way, so I'll need your help to uh, make it through the fake headlines. Uh, but before then, greetings, Mr. Nostradamus, writes Zach. A few episodes ago, you spoke about the possibility of a cigar talk in your show. What's your go-to brand? I myself am a fan of Monte Cristo. Their Epic is my favorite, but my usual is their Platinum. My first cigar was the Kahlua from Drew Estates. That has been discontinued. What was your first cigar? Thanks. Love the show, especially the members block, or as I call it, the sanctum of Nostradamus. I could go on and on. I don't have nearly enough time to go into this. I think cigars are very important. I was at a wonderful cigar dinner last night. I really enjoy them. Uh, I have very particular tastes in cigars, developed over many years of enjoying cigars. My first cigar was a machine-made Cuban cigar called a Guantanamera, which is a really low quality cigar. It's short, chopped up filler, uh, but it has that good Cuban tobacco flavor. And I was 15, what did I know? And I really liked it. I was hated cigarettes. I don't like the devil's lettuce, but I've, I really liked cigars. And shortly after that, I discovered Oliva cigars, which at the time were not nearly as well known as they are now. And I just adore Oliva cigars. Um, 
their Series O Perfecto. I still love, I think, dollar for dollar. You, you really can't beat them. Um, I love, uh, I, I then got into Tatuaje cigars and Don Pepin and my father. I, I got into that. Padron, I love. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on of the brands. But I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because I do have particular tastes and cigars that I've cultivated. And now I was, I, I was, occasionally you can get custom blended cigars and those kinds of things. So anyway, I'll be exploring all of these options. As a lot of people write into me, they say, Michael, what, what should I smoke? I want to get into this. Does one smoke by oneself? Yes. Maybe with a book, wonderful re- relaxation opportunity. Does one smoke sociably? Yes, one absolutely does. You know, another great aspect of cigars for the fellas is it's if you want to have a guy's night and maybe you love women, but you don't want always women hanging around all the time, cigars are a great way because 99% of the time they can be woman repellent. And sometimes women even like it when the men smoke cigars. One, because it, you know, it's very manly and virile and thumatic and increases your testosterone and all these things. Uh, but two, they recognize that men need their own spaces sometimes and they need a little relaxation, working very hard. So anyway, all of that to say, I'm giving more thoughts on how to incorporate cigars more into the Michael Knowles show, Creme de la Creme universe. Now, in that universe, it is Fake Headline Friday, and I need your help to find the fake headline among the real ones. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.